Well, good morning again. Good to see you. Yes, I wanted a garbage can up here. You'll see why in just a few minutes. Not right away here. We're not going to throw my sermon out quite yet. Well, I'm Rick Lyman. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Christ Church and have the privilege of serving in a variety of capacities. But today, I get the privilege of sharing in God's Word with you. And before we do that, I want to express my gratitude to Dan Meyer for the way in which he has modeled being a pastor to me and to all of us in this church. I've been on staff the last seven and a half years, and the same man you hear preaching and sharing the love of God in this pulpit is the same man that all of us as staff members have the privilege of seeing in the offices working together to accomplish the purposes of God. I count myself richly blessed to be part of this team and trust the Lord will continue to bless Dan and Amy in the next 20 years. That, makes, that would make me about 78 years old, wouldn't it, John? I think that's a, that's a noble goal to pursue that. Well, I want to encourage you to stand together as we read Scripture. Our passage comes from Matthew's Gospel this morning. It's a section of the Sermon on the Mount, which was Jesus' most important message. He shared a great deal in his ministry, but this was the one sermon that captured all of his purposes, all of his plans, and the gospel is sown in there from the beginning to the end. This particular passage where he begins to teach us about his perspective about worry. Hear the word of the Lord in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and following. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I want to invite you to pray with me and for me as we together consider the words of Jesus. These are the inspired words of God himself walking on the earth. And he shared this in this seminal message that he gave in the Sermon on the Mount because he knew we who are sitting here in this sanctuary in 2017 would need to be reminded and strengthened by them. I also ask you to pray for me as I share these words that I'll do this to the best of the ability God gives me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you've given to us your word to be a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path, that it sheds light on the path of life ahead, it sheds light on the troubles we deal with day by day. We ask you today, God, to help us understand both with our minds what you're speaking to us and also to respond from our hearts in obedience to things you call us to do and the things you call us to be. These things we trust you for and thank you for them now in advance in Jesus' mighty name. 
Well, friends, if you've been with us for our Lenten series of giving up in these last weeks, you've been hearing topics like learning to give up control or giving up hurry. And I know you rushed right out to get the book after you heard the sermon on hurry. And the giving up the need to be right. And last week, we heard topics, the topic of giving up anger. Today, we're going to consider giving up worry and anxiety. And to help frame our conversation here today, I'm going to encourage you to direct your attention to the screen to a video that will help us get a hold of this. How was work? Nothing unusual. Email was down again. And uh, Bill called me into his office again. What's wrong? Nothing really. He just thinks he can come down and fit in with these blue collar guys. You know, he's white collar. Or you've done something wrong again, and you're getting in trouble. And you'll get demoted, then you'll stop shaving, there goes my vacation. Maybe you'll even get fired. And then you'll do that lazy thing and I'll have to go back to work. And there goes the house. We had plans for this house. We'll be living out of our car or out on the street and eventually we'll be forced to move in with your mother. How was your day, Kim? Well, Dana's having a party Friday night and I thought I could go. But before you freak out, it's not gonna be that big of a deal. I mean, y'all guys know me. You're a great kid, but there's no stopping the peer pressure. It just takes one sip and you're hooked. And then there's the smoking and the piercings and the tattoos and the boys. Even good boys don't have good intentions, never mind the bad boys. Oh, and you'll go straight for one of the bad boys and they'll introduce you to all the bad things and you'll get pregnant and drop out of school and we'll never see you again. What about you, Mom? I've been considering taking up string art. No. Des has been doing some really wonderful things with it. You can do anything with string. Did you know you can make refrigerator magnets? Everyone knows string art is a gateway craft. You'll start knitting and making me hats and scarves and sweaters and making me wear those sweaters. And you'll stop dyeing your hair and get those grandma glasses and you'll want a cat, which will kill my allergies and probably lead to more cats want to make things and bring it to my class and embarrass me in front of all of my friends. Is this a cat hair? I'm sure none of you resonate with any of that, of course. I kind of do, but uh, none of you do. But I remember the first time I really worried and became anxious about something significant. I was 17 years old, and my parents had, were going out of town for a week, and they left me in charge of my 15-year-old brother. I had in charge of the house, the, the cars, and those sorts of things. So that Saturday night, my younger brother, Paul, 15, no driver's license, never driven a car before, says, I'm going to take Dad's brand-new Lincoln out tonight. And I argued with him and debated with him, and he tried to convince me and persuade me, saying, I've got a lot of time in go-karts, that should help me. And I don't know why I did it, but I made him promise to be back at home by 11 p.m., which was the curfew for minors in those days, and I finally relented and gave him the keys, and there he went off with my dad's brand-new Lincoln. So, as you can guess, 11 o'clock came and went, and no Paul and no Lincoln. Okay, so I'm starting to get a little concerned, and about midnight, I'm getting really angry. Where is he? What's going on? 
And by 12.30 a.m., I'm starting to get a little nervous and anxious, imagining that Paul's run my dad's new Lincoln into a tree, hurt himself, and now he's in an ER someplace, and there's no cell phones to call anybody back in the 70s, of course, and I'm imagining that. And then as 1 o'clock rolled around, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, he's been arrested. He's been pulled over. They've taken him to jail, and I'm going to get a call from the police. So round about 1.30 in the morning, I was literally shaking. I was sick with worry about my little brother and also worried about what my parents were going to do to me for letting him take the car out. About 1.45 a.m., Paul comes cruising back in like nothing happened. So, oh, sorry, I'm a little late. A little late? You're like three hours late. I've been really worried about you. I experienced that kind of captivating worry for the first time, and I also, it dawned on me that I'd probably done that to my parents a dozen times, and God was paying me back, so I'd know what it felt like. But I suspect the reality is that was an isolated incident in my life, but worry can become a much more troublesome thing if we let it begin to occupy our thoughts way too often. Arthur Roach captured it with this thought, anxiety is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. You see, we can't control the economy, so we worry about the economy. We can't control our children, so we worry about our children. We can't control the future, so we start worrying about the future. We worry about gas prices and taxes, our job and, and our marriage. And then when we get older and our parents get older, we as children start worrying about our parents. We return that favor and we worry about our health, our relationships, and everything becomes a worry if we're not careful. As Rick Warren put it, Worry never solves anything, it's, it's stewing without doing. It's spinning of the mental wheels, but not going anyplace. And I realize there might be some in a congregation of this size this morning that never have a problem with worry or anxiety. You've got a rock-solid mind and a rock-solid faith in God, and you just cruise through life unscathed by it. But the reality is, for many of us, it's not that simple. It, in our society, it is a really big problem. The Association for Anxiety and Depression of America indicates these statistics. General anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder affect, hear this, 40 million adult Americans over the age of 18. 40 million, that's about 17% of the adult population of this country right now. These numbers are staggering. Many are suffering with debilitating anxiety and need professional help and likely some medication to help them through those seasons. This is a very real condition that has physiological and psychological factors to it. Hands may tremble, hearts might pound, hands might sweat, go the other direction. We can't sleep or dizziness or digestive disorders or chest pain or even panic attacks where we're overwhelmed. These are very real physical experiences that are sourced entirely by anxiety gone bad and taking over. You see, anxious minds anticipate the coming of negative things, and we're always bracing for the worst-case scenario, kind of like the video there. Even when good things are happening, even when it would be termed the best day of our life, the anxious mind starts to think, well, it's going to get worse tomorrow. This won't last. This isn't really good. So there's some fault in it. Worry says things to ourselves, I can't get through this. I'll never overcome this. Things are only going to get worse. But friends, no matter the cause or the source of anxiety or worry in our lives or the sources of it, I've got really, really good news for all of us. 
God has a cure for worry and anxiety. Jesus, the Son of God, outlines for us in the Sermon on the Mount steps that we can all apply and take that will change the course of our history of anxiety and worry for the good. The reality is we're going to consider a plan that has six very specific steps in it that the Word of God gives to us that will change us and help us. The fact is I firmly believe that action is the cure for anxiety. If our minds are running off to the left and to the right that we need to take control and take very specific steps forward. You see, Jesus said, I came to set captives free. And those that are overtaken by worry and anxiety are captives in their own minds and their own thoughts. But Jesus, by his word and by his teaching and by helping us by his spirit to apply these things, came to set us free from that pattern in our lives. So what are we all so anxious about? Let's take a look at it. A.J. Cronin did some research sometimes back, sometime back and came up with this. The average person's anxiety is focused on these things. 40% are things that will never happen. 30% of the things people are anxious about are in the past and they cannot be changed no matter how much you think about them. 12% of these things are criticisms that others have made about us, mostly falsely. 10% is about our health, and instead of going to a doctor or doing some exercise or taking some vitamins to get our health better, worry complicates the physical things we're experiencing by adding stress to it. And only 8%, only 8% of worried people's thinking are actual real problems that will have to be faced. Think about that. 92% of the stuff that we're worrying about and thinking about are senseless to think about because we can't change them. But 8% are real concerns that we can address. Someone's put it this way, I'm not anxious. I'm just extremely well-educated about all the things that can go catastrophically wrong. So some of us might feel like we've got a master's degree in catastrophic thinking. But what does Jesus tell us, or better said, command us, he is the Lord after all, in the Sermon on the Mount to do with our thoughts? Well, back to verse 25, he says, do not worry about your life, the whole of it. Don't apply a lens or a filter to, of worry to the whole of your life. And then some of the specifics, what you're going to eat or drink, whether you're going to survive about your body, which implies your health as well, and also what you're going to wear. You might stress a little over what you wear at certain times, but God's saying, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Is not life, your life, more important than food and the body more important than clothes? And then he gives us one of the clues. He says, look at the birds. Get your mind off yourself for a second and look at the birds. Now that spring sprung, I think officially yesterday, it finally got sort of nice out and the sun was out for a little while and I got to see a robin hopping around looking for worms. I saw a dove on our, our bird feeder in the back and then I saw a cardinal. And I got my mind off of other things and looked at them. He says, look at them. Think about them for a second. He says, they don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? So God is saying through Jesus, look at the birds as an example. You'll hear them singing. You'll see them hopping around. I love watching a robin especially, listening for the worms in the ground. It's just mind-boggling. And God's saying, well, we've got to provide some worms for that robin. So he, I don't know, they're just the lower end of the food chain. There's worms down there in our lawns. And robins hop around, they tilt their heads a little bit, and then boink, and they come out with a worm. It's amazing. But God designed it that way. He set up plans to take care of the birds. And he says, if he's going to take care of the birds, which you see every day, 
he's going to take care of you. He already is taking care of you. So every time you see a bird, think that God's providing for that creature and he is providing for you. You're gonna see birds almost every day of your life. Be reminded God's taking care of you. So the word that Jesus uses here in uh, the Sermon on the Mount for worry is marimnau. It's a simple Greek word that simply means that do not be divided in your mind. The best English translation indicates that this is to strangle or to cut off something. And that's exactly what worry does to our minds. It cuts off joy, cuts out enjoyment. It strangles off the experience of complete life that God wants us to have. We're to be attentive to real concerns but not let ourselves be consumed by worry. But Jesus is the one, remind you, I'll remind you this, at the creation of the human race, God, the Godhead, the Father and Son, Spirit said, let us create mankind in our image with the capacity to think, with the capacity to feel, with the capacity to decide things, the capacity to experience love and joy and peace and tenderness and kindness and to share that with others. And so the one who created us with those capacities understands a little bit of how we are wired and how we are made. And so he gives us specific instructions how to move away from overwhelming anxiety. There's six things we're going to talk about here today. First, take note of your thoughts. Secondly, trash all useless concerns. We're going to get to that in a second. Trust God to do what he promised. Fourthly, transfer your real concerns to God. Fifth, transform your way of thinking. And last but not least, sixthly, we're going to talk about taking life one day at a time. So first and foremost, we need to take note of what it is we're actually thinking about. If literally 92% of our thoughts need not be thought, we need to do something about that. To do this effectively, you might actually need to journal your thoughts for one day sometime. If we could just insert a thumb drive or a, a zip drive in our ear for 24 hours and then plug it into our computers and get a printout, you'd be amazed at thousands of things that are going on in your mind. You see what's happening, it's like when you have a computer that you're running and you've got 47 windows open at the same time, but you're just looking at one, but there's all this stuff going on in the background. It's no wonder that your CPU of your computer slowed down to a crawl. And that's what happens to the human spirit and the mind when we've got 47 windows open that we're, we don't even realize we're worrying about them or thinking about them, but they're influencing our ability to experience life. And you get enough windows open, enough things going on, you get that hourglass or that little spinning pinwheel and nothing works. The whole machine freezes up. You never had that happen, of course, with your computer. But that happens to our minds. It's absolute overload. So when you look at what am I thinking about? What's in the background? And, and go into that like a, a spam checker and, and a filter to filter out things that are going on that you don't need to be thinking about. If we'll be willing to do that, we can take the next step. We also need to cut off all the negative anxiety-producing, fear-producing information that floods our lives every single day. And that's called the 10 o'clock news, or the 6 o'clock news, or the 5 o'clock, or the 4 o'clock, or the 9 a.m. or 6 a.m. News is 24-7. You can't get away from it now. God never intended or created us or wired us with the capacity to know about and care about every little thing going on in the globe at one time. Modern technology has now provided that for us. You can't turn on any newscast now without breaking news. Something really bad happened someplace and it's going to make you feel miserable and helpless and you can't do anything about it, but we're going to tell you about it anyway. 
I'm not saying we shouldn't know what's going on in our world, but we should know what's going on in our inner world. And friends, I'm going to give you a suggestion on this one. At 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock or 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock, when you turn on the news and get your update, try for a couple of weeks, if you're an anxious person, turn off the bad news for those 15 minutes and look into God's news, the good news of the gospel. Read the gospels for 15 minutes. Let some good news come in. Let some truth come in that sets you free. We need to control the amount of input that we're allowing in. We're the first generation in the history of mankind that's had this ability that 24-7, you can wake up at 3 in the morning, can't sleep, turn on the TV, some more bad news, something happened someplace else. It's information and emotional overload that we need to manage and control by changing those particular channels. And once we've done that, we have the ability to then trash the useless concerns. Now, now you're going to find out why I've got a garbage can up here. Now, I suspect if you're like me, every day you go out to your mailbox and you get about this much mail. Okay? A lot of it's junk mail, right? So our mailbox is out on the curb, of course, and on the way in, I go through the garage where our garbage can is, and I filter things out before they ever get on a counter or they get on a desk inside the house or on my chair by the table. Because otherwise, you start accumulating stuff. What, there's something in there I got to do with? So I, I start filtering it out, and this is what we need to do with our thoughts. Well, here's the publisher's clearinghouse. You think I won? No chance. That goes right in the trash. This newsletter I didn't ask for, that goes right in the trash too. I don't need that. Oh, wait, here's a Bed Bath & Beyond coupon, 20% off. That's pretty good. But if I throw it out, we save 100%, so that goes right in the garbage too. <laughs> and here's one of those catalogs I definitely throw out if I get to it first. Home Decorators Collection. Okay, we got enough decorating in our house. We're done with that. Okay, Land's End for men. I might glance at that, but probably not. I got enough clothes. We already have an Acura. We don't need to get another one of those. United Airlines wants us to do something. Before we're done, and then, of course, two newspapers, two of them I got today, addressed to nobody. I just, I, I just throw them out. They're not newspapers. They're ad papers. If we can learn to do that with our thoughts every time you go and get your mail, because you're going to get it every day, well, on Sundays, of course, and have that mental thought, wait, what are some thoughts I need to throw out? See, once I put those things into this garbage can and then the garbage man takes them away, the recycling bin on Monday mornings, uh, I don't have to think about it. I don't even know what it is. I don't have to open it up and consider it and think about, should I buy this or think about that? I'm done with it. If we can learn to do that daily, we're going to be way further ahead of clearing our minds and anxiety-producing thoughts are going to be put away where they belong, in the trash. You see, the limbic system of the brain is the part where anxiety ruminates but we need to activate the prefrontal cortex, which is the command center of the brain, and make the decisions about what we're going to think about, what we're going to allow into our minds, what we're going to throw in the trash and not think about anymore. This is called self-control. One of the gifts, or the fruit of the Holy Spirit, is self-control. God intended us to exercise that kind of control over our thinking so that we can remove those thoughts out of our way. The simple grounding technique, which is an application of this, I want to share with you. If anxiety is a big issue for you, or you find one of those times you're just so clouded, you can't even, you're being paralyzed by anxiety, here's a grounding technique that might help you. Look around you. First, find five things that you can see and think about the colors and the textures in what you're looking at. Fourth, uh, secondly, find four things that you can touch and think about what they might feel like if you touch them as you look around. Third, find three things that you can hear and think about the nature of that sound. You can hear my voice right now. If I stop talking, you can hear cars going by, and once in a while a siren going by, or you hear a motorcycle. Get your mind on that. Secondly, 
think of, uh, last, second last to last, two, think of two things that you can smell. And think about how good it smells, or maybe it's something you need to take the garbage out. I don't know what it might be, but think of things that you can smell. And then find one thing that you can taste. And then get up and eat it. What you will have done by that simple exercise is activating your prefrontal cortex, and you're taking charge of your mind. You'll find that will stop the patterns, it'll stop the activities, and it'll also give you confidence that when anxiety or even a panic, a feeling can come over you, you can do something about it. That's something to have in your toolbox. That's an application of this truth. Most of you remember Dennis the Menace. Remember the cartoons and the, the, the shows that were on that, but one night he was frightened by a thunderstorm, so he climbed up into bed with his mom and dad and laid between them. And Dennis said this profound thing, I wouldn't be scared of the thunder if I could keep my mind off my thoughts. That's exactly what we're talking about, getting our minds off of all this negative stuff and getting it on to something else. So thirdly, we need to trust God to do what he promised. And that sounds really simple, but believing in God, believing that he is, believing that he is powerful, believing that he cares about us, and actually moving over into trusting him to actually be and do what he promised to do is another step for us to take emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. You see, trust that your God, your Father, will actually take care of you. He knows what you need, Jesus said, and he's already taking care of it. You've got Jesus' word on it. God is actively, at this second, making arrangements for all the things that concern your life right now. We run by all that stuff and worry about it and frantically go do stuff while God's saying, I got it covered. A while back, when my son was about 10 or 11 years old, as a gift for a birthday present, I offered him and six or eight of his friends to take him to a White Sox game. So they were all excited. Son was excited about it. He picked his best buddies off our Little League team. And just imagine, to illustrate what trusting isn't like, what about my 10-year-old son came to Dad, did you get the tickets? Did you get gas in the car? Have you checked the tires in the car? Have you had a tune-up recently? Where are we going to park? Did you bring enough money for the food to pay for buying uh, my friends their, their meals? And, and what if you fall asleep on the way home? Did you drink some coffee? Well, I would simply say, son, relax. I've got everything covered. That's exactly what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount to every single one of you personally. Relax. I've got it covered. Every minute detail, every concern you could ever dream up or think of, God's got you covered. Wouldn't it be nice to just be able to relax and really rest? That's what the Lord invites us into. Fourthly, we need to transfer then our real concerns to God. Even once we've distilled down to that 8% that is actually things we have to act on or do something about, that he's asked us to do something about, instead of worrying about even those things or doing something, the first step is to transfer them to God's to-do list. How do we know that? Well, there's two things that tell us that. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Give all your worries and cares, concerns, legitimate concerns, to God, for he cares about what happens to you. We can all learn to do this. This is a spiritual practice. Instead of even worrying about the legitimate stuff we have to do, first give it to God and trust him then to release back to us the wisdom, the resources, the motivation, and the strength to accomplish them, but give them to him first. I remember as a young person, and well through my teen years, 
Uh, I grew up in a house of worriers, okay? My grandmother, Duffy, who lived with us, uh, I said she had a black belt in worrying. She was always concerned. She lived to be 88 years old. All the stuff, all the health issues she worried about really never came to pass. And in her latter years, she was in a nursing home being treated for something, and a doctor came in to uh, examine her, and he began to check her legs and different parts of her body, and she was, he was checking her legs, exactly, and she's like, well, well, what are you doing down there? And the doctor says, well, Mrs. Duffy, I'm checking your lymph nodes. She goes, Lincoln's nose, you sure won't be finding it down there. Um, <laughs> and then my cousin, the priest, uh, actually became the bishop, came by one day to, to pray over her, to bless her. And she says, Aunt Mary, I, wa I want to bless you. Yeah, well, you want to wrestle me. I won't put up much of a fight. So that was my grandma Duffy. I got to throw, that's bonus material just for a little laughter. But anyway, she was an expert at worrying. And that passed on into me. I w was somewhat of an insomniac through my early years. And I'd lay, asleep, lay awake at night there, just my mind racing and racing and racing. The day I got saved, God transformed my life and somebody gave me this verse. And I simply began to apply it. When my mind was racing, I said, God, I just release this care to you. I release this concern to you. And in one day, I went from being an insomniac to sleeping like a baby. I, you could have a freight train going through my bedroom now and I wouldn't wake up. My wife knows it. I don't hear anything. I'm out. But I've learned to apply that, that spiritual practice of doing that. Paul the Apostle in chapter 4 of Philippians gives us even more advice on this topic. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, while stuff's going on, by prayer and petition, two things, talking to God and asking him for things, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then this promise comes and the peace of God, will transcend, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Simple truth is Amazon did a study recently to find out what the most highlighted passage of Scripture in the whole Bible is. Guess what it is? This one right here, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It's a lot of anxiety, a lot of stresses, a lot of pressures that we're all feeling. We need to apply this. Talk to God. Get him into the mix and God will give you a peace that is greater than understanding. Meaning it's not even warranted by the circumstances, but it's warranted by the fact that God is with you in those very circumstances. Jesus takes it up another level in Matthew's Gospel a little further on than we read earlier in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and following. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and this is mental burdens, concerns, and anxiety and I will give you rest. Ah, isn't that nice? Come to Jesus, and he's going to give you rest. How is he going to do it? He says, let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's your mind and your emotion. For the yoke I'm going to give you is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. When we take and transfer our real concerns to Jesus, he takes them, and then he gives us back only what we were designed to handle. Instead of all the other things we're trying to handle and juggling 47 balls at once, he gives you one ball. Everybody can juggle one ball, okay? And maybe he gives you two. He gives you what he designed you and wired you to be able to handle. That's what this is about. Bring it to him, and he'll take care of you. But then he says this. If we're going to learn to transform our way of thinking, we need to move to what he says to us in verse 33 of Matthew chapter 6. But then, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all this other stuff will be given to you as well. You see, now that we know he's taking care of everything that concerns us, everything we're worrying about, he's got us covered, we can relax, 
He wants our minds and our hearts to be occupied on things that he considers important. He's elevating us to the noble tasks that he really created us to do in the first place. So we seek first his kingdom, what he wants, and we transfer our worried thoughts for his noble thoughts of significance in our lives. Our minds get occupied with his business, not ours. The sobering reality is you nor I or any one of us are the center of the universe, but God actually is. So we get centered on him, taking on his priorities. We put God first in every area of our life, including our thoughts, including our thoughts, and we filter everything through that, and we come to understand God's already taking care of everything. With him with us, with God in your corner, God on your side, at your side, and God with you at every moment, you can learn to use that imagination that's been imagining all the bad stuff and start retraining it to see only good landings. What I mean by that is with God on your team, you can't lose. It's like having Michael Jordan on your three-on-three basketball team. He's 50-something now, and I'd still take him over anybody else, okay? With God on your side, which he is, God being for you at every turn, God wanting you to succeed and experience life, you were destined to succeed in the things God's called you to do. So we need to trust him for that and allow our minds start going to, I will get through this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can conquer worry and anxiety. In fact, I believe I will. I see myself no longer being plagued by this. I see myself every day taking steps forward, getting stronger and stronger and stronger and experiencing more and more and more joy in my life. We've got to turn the lens of that imagination around from negative to positive because God, this isn't wishful thinking. These are simply allowing the promises of God to affect our thinking more than anything else. Nothing is too good to be true when God himself says it is true or promises it for us. One other very important part of this is right there in the Philippians passage is the practice, our number one spiritual practice is thanksgiving giving thanks to God for the good things that have happened to us. Here's a suggestion. If you suffer from insomnia of, of any degree, here's one, one thing to do every time you go to sleep at night, is to be prepared with two simple things, a willingness to give thanks and the alphabet. Start with the alphabet. Lord, thank you for America, this great country you've allowed us to be part of, to live in, to the prosperity, the freedoms that we have. Thank you for this great nation. Take the letter B. Thank you for my body, for the health you've given, for the ways you've helped me navigate to this season of life. The letter C. Thank you for the cross where my sins were paid for in full by the Son of God himself. Take the letter D. Thank you for my dad or my daughter or my dog or whatever else it is and go through the alphabet. I suggest that after a short period of time, you'll seldom get to the end of the alphabet before you're sound asleep. But if you do get to the letter Z, you can thank God for zebras. They're these really cool striped animals. that are I love them. They're really cool. I'm glad he made those. A simple practice. And then to sum it up, Jesus says it so succinctly. Live one day at a time. Take 24 hours of stuff at a time, and eight of that is sleeping and doing other stuff. Take that simple practice of 12 to 18 hours is all you were meant to manage, and that's all you need to think about. Stop carrying tomorrow's concerns today. And a really big part of this, it's right there in the Sermon on the Mount, stop living or trying to live other people's lives for them because God's taking care of them the same way already. You're worrying about it or anxiety about it or thinking they should be living this way, trying to control what other people are doing will drive you and them nuts. So let God 
because he's already taking care of it, one day at a time. Corey Ten Boom put it this way, worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength, carrying two days at once. It's moving tomorrow ahead of time. We don't need to do that. Today is April 2nd. What are you going to do today? Think about those things and do them. Anything that's legitimate, that 8% of stuff that's real concerns that you aren't going to address today, calendar it. Things come to my mind, boom, they go on my calendar and I know I have an hour to handle that or I have two hours to handle it. My sermon preparation in the midst of the gazillion things I do around here, I just, about a week ago, lined out on my calendar, two hours here, three hours there. Otherwise, I would have been worried about a sermon on worry and I wasn't going to do that. I learned to calendar and my schedule when I'm going to do certain things, and I hold to that. So at night, every night I come home from a long day of work here, which is a great and fulfilling thing, and I'm kind of exhausted. Carol's like, so what do you got going tomorrow? And I say, I don't know. I haven't looked at my calendar yet. I'll get to that tomorrow morning. It's a simple spiritual discipline to put into place. So friends, I'll, I'll share one more account. You remember Linus and Charlie Brown, the Peanuts cartoons? Linus, in his great wisdom, said this, I guess it's wrong always to be worrying about tomorrow. Maybe we should think only about today. And then Charlie Brown replied, no, that's giving up. I'm still hoping that yesterday will get better. Okay, the ultimate blockhead (laughs) got it all backwards. Friends, take note of your thoughts. Trash the old ones every day. Think of the birds and think of God providing for you. Transfer your real concerns to God. Let him sort them out and bring them back to you. But in the midst of that, let him give you rest. Transform your way of thinking and start imagining. Like when I was a kid, I used to imagine winning the World Series for the White Sox, you know, the seventh game pitching. I've almost given up on that hope. I'm coming up on 60 this year. I think I'm probably outside the range of being able to do that. But I imagined crazy, wonderful, beautiful things. Let your mind go to the positive direction as the Holy Spirit leads you. And then just take today. God's provided for all the strength, the resources, and energy you need to live this day and live it well in his care. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you've given us your word to teach us the truth, and you said when we know the truth, it'll set us free. God, I pray especially for those in the sanctuary and those in the hearing of my voice who struggle or feel overwhelmed by anxiety and the fear that goes with it, that your Holy Spirit will lift them will help them day by day to grow stronger, be more and more freed of anxiety and worry, and, Lord, that joy will begin to overtake them. Father, I pray for all of us that we'll be able to live into the things that you, our Heavenly Father, who loves us, cares about us, and cares for us in ways we can't even comprehend, will flood our souls with your peace this day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.